What's going on, y'all? This is Trey with Chat 10 Sports, and welcome into our very first Hotline Calls episode. If you're new to us, check us out at chat10sports.com. You can find out all the information about us, what we do, our podcast feed, our social media links, and our most recent article post about the Titans, Vols, Braves, and Predators. Now, if you want to call in, you can do so at 423-380-9096. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, your best hot take, question, concern, theory, whatever you've got about the Titans, Vols, Braves, or Predators, and we'll do our best to get you onto the podcast. Now, this episode was a lot of fun for us to record, had some awesome calls for some fellow fans. So buckle in, and I hope you enjoy the episode. What's going on, fellas? How we doing? What's up, buddy? How's it going? Gibby coming in hot, brother man? Yes, sir. Well, cool. Well, we got some calls, obviously, lined up and uh, going to jump right in. Um, we got, just for everyone listening, we've got calls relevant to the Tennessee Titans. Got one for the Vols. Uh, but obviously, in light of our Monday episode, breaking down the draft, we'll just jump straight into call number one. Hey, guys. Uh, just listening to the uh, the podcast about the draft, and we're on the uh, talking about A.J. Brown. I'm a uh, huge Ole Miss fan, too. So I just wanted to hear y'all's thoughts on him transitioning to, to outside in the NFL. I know that he did line up outside a lot at Ole Miss because DK Metcalf got hurt, but he was primarily kind of a slot guy, which the Titans just signed Adam Humphreys to, to take care of. So I wanted to hear y'all's thoughts on how he's going to transition as a uh, primarily a slot receiver to an outside receiver, especially at the next level. Um, will there be any like adjustment time? Do you think he'll be able to handle it just fine? Um, yeah, how do y'all think he's going to handle all that? So look forward to hearing back from y'all. Uh, thanks for doing the show. I love it. It's great. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think for me, AJ Brown, there's been a lot of conversation um, just about his abilities, obviously with his draft stock prior to the draft, potentially being in, in there's been a lot of conversations between he and De- uh, DK Metcalf, but that AJ Brown could be one of the most talented uh, receivers. I've even heard conversations via podcast of Nashville sports outlets saying, this guy could eventually, potentially, um, beat out Corey, Corey Davis for the, the wide receiver one spot. Um, but I know uh, Brooks, called, uh, who called in, his question is relevant to uh, what, how he'll transition from being an inside to an outside guy. Uh, and what do you guys think? I mean, obviously, Humphrey's coming in. I think there's, there's a good, good chance, obviously, he's playing that slot role, not outright. Um, but it's great to have another another guy that can come in, um, give him a break, and they have kind of a rotation if they both play that inside role. But what do you think if he goes outside? Um, for me, man, like I, I've watched a little bit about that because I, I knew that there was a couple questions on that too because he was always known as like the really powerful yet quick slot guy at Ole Miss. So with that being said, though, he did, like Brooks said, he – he uh, changed out to outside for I don't remember how many games DK was out, but looked just fine. Like didn't I really didn't feel like he missed the beat. And I think we'll get creative with he and Humphreys. Uh, it's just going to depend on mismatches, things like that. With, I think Arthur's going to work both of them pretty well. So I really don't worry about it at all. I think mm-hmm. he's too versatile. He's a good. He's a great route runner. I, I I don't really worry about it. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Chase. I think. Um... As I said, he may be the best draft, the best wide receiver in this draft, but his footwork, his lateral quickness, his route running, 
um, make him good enough to play outside, even though he is a little bit shorter than uh, you would probably want your, your main outside guy to be. Um, but he's, mm-hmm. he's strong enough to go up and take a ball from somebody too. So yeah, uh, I, he's got I, good timing. Yeah. I've got no worries about him playing outside or inside. Um, uh, we signed Humphreys to play the slot. I think that's where he needs to be. And, um, mm-hmm. we got to get AJ Brown in there somehow. So it's probably going to end up being the outside a lot too. Yeah. I mean, he's still, I mean, he's still what six foot two twenty five. I mean, like there's, there's yeah. not a huge worry. It's not, he's not Adam Humphreys going outside. So right. I, yeah. Right. I'm, I'm with, I'm with you, Kev. I think your footwork's too good. Um, I, I, I mean, he, he's already got NFL size. He'll be fine. Yeah, especially it's it's interesting for the combination of size at two twenty six, and he ran a four four. Uh, I'm looking at his his stats right now: broad jump of one hundred and twenty inches, nineteen bench press reps. He, he sounds like a guy to me that can just go anywhere he wants and kind yeah. of uh, execute his will on whoever's lining up across from him, even physically. I think I know uh, the last I looked, Corey Brown's at two ten. I think he is. So a solid 16-pound increase from Corey Brown. Uh, like you said, I think Humphreys being a smaller guy, he can play that Wes Welker role that, you know, uh, obviously Cole, uh, Cole Beasley is in Buffalo as well. And kind of it's a, an attractive uh, tool to have in your, your kit. But yeah, I think sure. Arthur Smith, the amount of tools that he's got uh, at the receiver spot, I'm just kind of still baffled after the draft, like, the Titans and Titans fans can actually say we have wide receiver depth. Yeah. And we've got talented guys with Taewon Taylor, Tajay Sharp that could potentially be, um, you know, be cut. I mean, it's going to be a, a tight competition, but as we all know, and John Robinson has talked about uh, competition breeds competition, you know, and, and brings the best out. But um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Uh, any other thoughts about this particular call? Uh, maybe like the only thing like you're, I'm just going to, kind of roll off your your depth as far as man we've also John o. Smith at times even when Delaney was healthy was still like our third or fourth option this guy could be a fifth or sixth option now so it's mm-hmm. you know having having two good tight ends and all that fun stuff I don't know man I think we're gonna be uh they're gonna be pretty solid it's like you said we got so much depth that wide receiver room is gonna be awesome for sure let's see all right let's take our next call Hello, Chat 10 Sports. This is Matt from Fairview, Tennessee, calling. I want to leave a message about Marcus Mariota and ask, do you think he has any excuse to not have a good year this year? If we don't live up to expectations, is it on his shoulders? And if he doesn't have a good year, do you pull him? Do you put in Tannehill? Do you, do you let him play it out and suffer throughout the year? Do you draft a quarterback next year? Do you try to get a free agent guy? What do you do? You made a lot of moves. You got some receivers. Mario should be pretty comfortable in the pocket. Hopefully this year. What are you going to do? All right, good call from Matt in Fairview asking about Marcus Mariota. What do you do if? I mean, it's it's kind of the expectation now that things, or I guess, Titans fans want to assume. Hey, what happens if the worst takes place? I know a lot of folks also have a lot of positive uh, outlook on what Marcus can do in 2019 with the additions to the draft through free agency, but let's play this out guys. I mean, what do you do if it goes, if he gets injured and Tannehill comes in or he just struggles to play and, and doesn't get injured and, and he has a hard time. Uh, that's, I guess that's part one of the question. <laughs> if he does struggle, what do you do? Do you put Tannehill in over him? 
I, I would I would say absolutely not for the for at least the first six games. Um, you have to kind of stick to him early on and and really see this is kind of like a last chance right. uh, audition for him and the contract that um, you want to give a quarterback. You want a quarterback of yours to deserve. Um, so I, I think you stick with him early, but I don't, I don't think they brought in Tannehill um, afraid to play him if, if need be. I think the offense is one that he fits pretty well because, um, I, I mean – he and Marcus aren't too far off as far as his skill set is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think either of them have really shown brilliance in, in the passing kind of aired out offense like you see a Pat Mahomes or, um, you know, Tom Brady or somebody doing. But um, I think they both can win, uh, especially in a system like the Titans have ran in the past uh, that's kind of ground heavy. And um, I, I, I think he – he doesn't have it doesn't come to that you know yeah I, mm-hmm. I i think marcus does well enough to to stay in the game and and like you said earn a earn a contract of some <laughs> sort yeah um i'm with you like it's one of those that when you come out of the off season make sure there's none of this well if you screw up then ryan's coming in like you need to make sure that he knows he's the guy you know, get him still still that confidence, but also if it does just wind up being a little bit like last year and nothing's working, yeah, you got to play him. Uh, I'm with you. I think Kibby's six games, six to six to eight games. You know, you'll have a good sense. Um, and if it's just not working, if he's still more interceptions than touchdowns kind of guy, getting sacked, not making smart decisions, then yeah, it's time to get Tannehill, tank a little bit, and go after this big time quarterback class next year. Tank for Tua. <laughs> Tank for Tua, bro. Um yeah, I hope it doesn't come to that. No. That would be a dark day for sure. But I mean, I I've been kind of busy the last couple of days writing for Chat 10 just basically it's been on my mind. What are the expectations and predictions from Marcus Mariota in 19? Um and the other day I came home just making dinner getting everybody settled in for the night and had the uh, Dallas Monday night football game on. And that was obviously one of Marcus's better games. The play calling was where it was supposed to be with Matt LaFleur. Um, I think the big dark horse on top of all the additions, receivers, uh, offensive linemen as well through the draft, I think there has been a huge upgrade. And this is my hot take opinion that the, the upgrade is really at the offensive coordinator spot. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I think we talked about it Monday a good bit, but it's one of those things to me, the way that Matt LaFleur handled himself, obviously originally came in to interview for the head head coaching job that Vrabel eventually got. And somehow uh, John Robinson got um, LaFleur to come in as the OC. But to me, it's one of those things, um, you know, play calling wise. I I know we've talked about during those those weeks that we were on for the, the live stream show. Basically, why isn't Derrick Henry getting the volumes? We, we all know he's a volume uh, back. And uh, mm-hmm. to me, it's one of those things. If if Henry, which I fully anticipate that he will, uh, if he has the year that those last four games of 2018 were like, just the ability to bruise defenses, wear them down, I think it's really Marcus's job. And not to use this word as an insult, but just to basically manage the game, 
make it count yeah. whenever it's your play call and, and you're going, you're doing your thing. But, dude, if you go back and watch that Monday Night Football game, he is absolutely electric. It was the same thing with the Eagles game. And there was other countless times that we've seen since he got drafted where it's just a different game whenever yeah. Marcus is on the field. And believe yeah, when me, he's locked in. Yeah, I mean, people say, you know, again, I wrote in that article, people have asked me, friends, family, anybody I know is a Titans fan, do you think he's actually – he's the real deal? He's the guy to be our guy? And I said, yeah, man. I mean, I think that – I think Cowherd knows this and with what he said. I think anyone who actually watches the the games and sees what he brings to the table whenever he's fully healthy – and, again, we don't know how healthy he was throughout the entire 28 season, 2018 season. Yeah. Um, for what I know, Paul Kaharski wrote about it. Just the extensive amount of injuries that we've seen. I mean, it was almost – as significant as and as consistent as a Steve McNair, you know, and, and McNair played yeah. the crack sternum. I mean, there's probably stories that guys could tell of what we don't know about. But uh, again, I think Mariota had uh, that, that week one owner nerve and who knows where it's at right now. Obviously he's been rested and he's put on about five to 10 pounds. So I think if it's run options, if it's obviously he's been fantastic with play actions throughout his career but for him to have Delaney Walker coming back and then two guys underneath that can just have these quick outs and they can do stuff with the ball to, to make those first downs, I think our Titans offense is going to be focused on wearing the defense down, you know, kind of enforcing our will. And uh, I think the, the, the positives that you did see in 2018 will continue on uh, in 2019. Yeah. But what's, um, your guys, what's your guys' expectation? Like what would – What's your realistic goal that he should have, I guess, to get the contract? Like, what, what do you think his touchdown-interception ratio should wind up being? Knowing our offense, knowing our new additions, what do you think that he should what, – what's it going to take for him to earn the contract? Maybe like 15-5 and five with 3,000 yards. I mean, I don't think he was too far off. I think the speed will go up, like you said, uh, Trey, with the – addition of the two slot guys, uh, quicker kind of dink dunk plays. I would like to see him speed it up and get him something a little reminiscent of what he, he ran at Oregon, um, Mm -hmm. where he doesn't have to make the incredible throw. He can just kind of read and get in, get in the groove with his, his new receivers. And hopefully Mm -hmm. the lot, the line will be better as well. I mean, the Conklin Mm -hmm. thing I'm really torn about, um, but it, it seems like with the uh, the draft, at least, we went out and got a good piece on the line, and um, mm-hmm. it, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Yeah, for me, and since you mentioned it, Kibby, well, let's talk about that whenever whenever I get done about about Conklin and his fifth year option. That's a big happening in the last forty eight hours, I think it was. But to me, if if Mariota can replicate his twenty six uh, sixteen season. 61% completion, 3,400 passing yards, 26 yeah. touchdowns, nine interceptions, had a, a passer rating of 95.6. Again, I think with his ability to be uh, kind of efficient with his passing, be a good decision maker, I know my, my brother and I consistently would talk about, oh, there's one interception per game with Marcus Mariota. Um, oh, yeah. I think the fact that Arthur Smith knows him, and they're not really branching too far away from this offense that LaFleur ran. I think they're just going to kind of build on that and probably throw some Martha Smith, you know, specialty in there or whatnot. But I, I think Marcus, 
when his back is against the wall, I think he performs his best. You know, I mean, for sure, we will never know what could have happened had he been healthy that week 17 game against the Colts. And I hate losing to the Colts. Um, <sighs> I mean, it, it's 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 becoming like, you know, we are <laughs> we are the Jaguars to the Colts. You know, we, we yeah. if that makes sense. Like what I guess the Jags are to the Titans. We are to the Colts because they have just dominated us. And to say it, you know, Reggie Wayne. He, he kind of pulled the card out that nobody can really respond to at the draft. Like they've won seven out of 10 and we can, you know, host a draft, have 600,000 people, but we just can't, we can't pound our chest after that. You know, we just kind of yeah. say, well, we'll, we'll see you in the fall. <laughs> we'll um, get you later. Yeah. <laughs> um, nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Kind of thing, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's my expectation. I think my, uh, the article I wrote his, um, <clears throat> that's kind of my prediction for his stats are very close. I think 3,500 yeah. um, passing yards, but I mean, Marcus has consistently been, and he was the most accurate. He has been in the NFL last year at 68% completions. Now yeah. 11 touchdowns, eight interceptions is obviously not sufficient. It's not acceptable. Um, but dude, the story of last year in 2018, there's, it's so complex. Um, especially starting off with that weird week one Miami Dolphins game, but. Yeah, but let's uh, yeah, let's talk about Jack Conklin. I mean, what do y'all think is is the underlying story, the reasoning? And I mean, I'm not sure how much y'all really considered it and talked about it, but it's a pretty big, uh, pretty big move for a former what number eight overall pick, yeah, uh, just a couple years ago. Yeah, I don't know um, what narrative to believe, honestly. I mean, was it just the mm-hmm. was it too much money, uh, or did we not have faith? I guess, in him and his ability to be worth the money. I mean, mm-hmm. I think you pay for a line, man. If you pay for anything, you pay for an offensive line. Right. Um, I, I I thought he was a pretty good player. Um, but once again, I don't know financially if, if it all checked out. Mm-hmm. To, to yeah. What do you think, Chase? Um, I'm kind of on the same I, – I don't know what to believe because I know Kurt and I kind of talked about this for – five or six minutes when we got the alert um it's i guess it's one of those deals man like we'll pay you if you play well like you've got a year to prove we don't know how good you're you are after the injury really struggled at times i mean still like also at times look good so i don't know uh and i'm i don't i don't know if the whole guard switch is gonna happen or not but if it does i it, it makes no sense for Conklin to cash out either. So, like, the narrative that people are being like, well, you know, now he's not going to want to play. He's not going to have motivation. No, no, no. These guys, like, this is their livelihood. Like, he's going to play. Um, and we're going to be willing to pay him the most after this season too. So, I, I, I think that they're just in that situation where, man, a lot of downfall happened after your rookie season and your second year that, I don't know, man. We got you got to you got to play and make up for it and get your money, and we'll, we we promise we'll pay you kind of thing at the end. So yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, and there's been, I mean, there's been a ton of stats put out about it. I think the big underlying factor is if you lock in a guy for that fifth year option, that includes the payment for whatever they agreed to in that fifth year. I think it increases from his annual salary, obviously, but 
if there's an yeah. injury in that period of time, it's a guaranteed amount of money, which is the yes. I think the big underlying key with this. It's whole almost thing. four. It's I think it's something crazy, like almost fourteen million too. Right, like, right, it's, yeah, it's up um, there. But the the big kind of statistic that people are throwing out, I don't. I think it's more about the money than anything, which I've tweeted about since this yeah. stuff came out. Um, but Seth Walder, who who is a uh, sports analy- analytics writer for ESPN, put this out right after Schefter uh, tweeted it. Basically saying Jack Conklin's pass block win rate last three se- the last three seasons. In 2016, it was 80 percent. 17, it was 86 percent. 2018, it was 82 yeah. percent. Uh, and that average of offensive tackles for the pass block win rate in 2018 was 81. So he is above average. And like yeah. you said, Chase, if he hits the market, someone's bringing out the dump the dump truck of, of, of cash just ready for him and waiting because we all know how valuable these guys are, especially with how much these, these offenses are passing now. Um, mm-hmm. I know Buck Rising with A to Z Sports now did a really good podcast as well, um, talking with um, Titans Film Room on Twitter. Um, but it was a great just breakdown of, the, of where everything is. But it's also mm-hmm. something to me that I still cannot get my mind around the fact that, that John Robinson traded Doriel Green Beckham for Dennis Kelly. And to be honest, it's one of those things. Yeah, it's it's mind blowing to me because we are one Dennis Kelly acquisition away from being a second round offensive tackle pick. You know what I'm saying? Like that would be a huge yeah. hole because with the torn ACL, if we're just relying on him, I'm trying to think even Kevin Panfield's behind him, who I think is a solid backup. Um, yeah, not somebody you want to be starting. He do he did. Uh, he did hold his own against week two uh, against the Texans last year. But to me, I think Conklin, being a guy from Michigan State who walked on, eventually became a first-round number eighth overall pick, I think him and Mario need to hang out with each other and find some way to be accountable just for the sake of, all right, dude, we got a lot to prove this season, and uh, I think the guys yeah. are going to do it. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it, we all know how close that offensive line was too, and so – a lot of new guys, man. You know, you're losing Quentin Spain. These were these were bros going over to the Preds games, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, got some continuity to work on too. So, yeah, yeah, it'll be an interesting year to see everybody kind of meshes and comes together. I do expect there to be some, you know, through training camp or or obviously whatever to get on the same page. But uh, I think you got some some top near talent, and especially a guy Nate Davis who's going to probably compete for right guard. Uh, mm-hmm. will be fun to watch. But all right, Brodies, let's take this call and uh, we'll go from there. Hey, what's up, guys? This is uh, Jonathan Finnerty calling from uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, Twitter, Finnerty324. I uh, just want to call in, you know, like the episode about the Titans, really featuring, you know, the draft and things like that. That was a great thing for Nashville. Uh, I guess kind of a theory or uh, something for the future is, uh, you know, y'all kind of talked about Mariota a little bit on the podcast. Uh, Kind of, I guess, maybe a theory. What do y'all think we may do after the season, based on performance-wise? Um, because you know he's quote unquote not John Robinson's quarterback. Uh, you know, Robinson came in a year after. So, uh, you know, I guess based on performance, how do each of y'all see what direction we may go in, whether it be with Mariota, or preferably if we don't stick with Mariota, who I guess each of y'all, who do y'all feel as if? may we uh, select or go with. So uh just thought I'd, you know, probably throw that out there. 
All right, guys. Looking forward to the next episode. Thanks. All right, man. Good call. My guy, uh, let's see here. Finnerty324 uh, on Twitter, Jonathan. Appreciate you calling in for us. I'm going to jump right in here because I wanted to play this one as well because it's kind of the opposite end of the coin of it sounds like he does not. Uh, he said preferably if we don't go with Mariota, um, what happens at the end of the season? And, and asking John Robin, uh, excuse me, that Marcus Mariota is not John Robinson's guy. That to me is one of those things that I think there could be that underlying story, but I, I don't believe it for a second simply because I think John Robinson through everything, even through the draft when the whole Drew Locke conversation popped up out of nowhere for it lasted for about 24 to 48 hours, uh, then got snuffed out whenever he walked onto the stage right before the draft started. Um, I fully think Mariota is Mike Rabel's guy, John Robinson's guy, Amy Adam Strunk's guy. Um, I think to, for me to answer that question, um, I think he is that guy. Now, at the end of the season, say he does not play out, just to continue it on. I know we didn't talk about this in detail for the other call, but I think the way that that John Robinson set this thing up, getting Tannehill for a year, the Dolphins are paying five out of his $7 million contract. You hit the market in 2020 if you're in, in, in need of a quarterback, owing no quarterbacks on the roster any money unless they sign Austin Davis for an extension or something. And then you hit the 2020 quarterback draft a quarterback class and that draft is supposed to be one of the best and who knows how long, but I think, and that's why I was a big proponent of finding a guy on the offensive line that can, that can still, you know, if Nate Davis starts at right guard, Roger Saffold is at left, at left guard. You have a strong enough offensive line for a rookie quarterback to come in, uh, take snaps, be protected. And then you have a guy in Derrick Henry, who I believe being a volume back, like we've talked about, can carry the offense for a guy to to do a job, even just to hand the ball off, make a couple good passes. But I think if that's the if that's the scenario, and Mario does not play out, we're picking top fifteen, maybe maybe top ten. You know, if if it doesn't work out yeah. for Mariota. But again, my opinion, <laughs> stepping out of the hypothetical, I think Mar- Marcus is here for the next five years, or you know, four to five years, or whatever that is. I think he's in, he's gonna come out and just convince a lot of people. What do you guys think? Um, for me, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll stick with the hypothetical here. I mean, look at this draft class. Um, also, even the fact that, my goodness, what Oklahoma's done with quarterbacks. Who knows how good Jalen Hurts winds up being at the end of this year, too. Okay. Um, I mean, Tua. Herbert, I, I think I saw that they had Justin Herbert out of Oregon in the top. I think he was number four um, in the way too early mock drafts. Jake Fromm, I know, was supposed to be up there. I mean, this is a monster class. And if it were to be a situation where Marcus just continually is getting hurt or if it's just poor play, like he's just not going to be the guy. We're just going to be sitting there with a – mediocre quarterback or subpar quarterback at that, then you, you got to start go ahead. And, you know, as we've always talked about how much fun is the off season for the Titans that, you know, Jr would have to move up and get one of these guys. Cause this is a monster class and people are going to be looking for it, you know, cause if Rosen doesn't work out and 
in Miami, then, you know, they're going to be looking for one. And there's always three or four teams looking. So, I mean, if you're going to get Herbert or Fromm, I mean, I, I just don't think we're going to be bad enough to go <laughs> to get the number one pick unless we just right. sold our souls to the devil and moved up to one. But, I, I mean, like, everybody's going to want to uh, – and I, I don't think we have a, we're going to have the capital and we're not just going to blow it up. Like we have too many good pieces just to tank all the way and be a two win team. So, I mean, even to get a four or five to get Herbert and who knows how good he's going to be in that offense. I don't know. I, I, I just don't know what you're going to get. I mean, do you really, is Jake Fromm our, our, our guy we get, let's, let's go with what you said. I, I'm with you. If at worst, I think we're, a 10, maybe a nine is, oh, do we want Jake Fromm to lead our team or mm-hmm. would we rather just stick with Mariota or Tannehill? So I think Katie, not to cut you off brother, but if that is the case, say Mariota does struggle next year. I think you still pick up his fifth year option. Are you, I mean, you maybe give him a one year deal or I doubt he would take that, but I try and find some way to keep Marcus on, on the roster, let Tannehill walk. And then, God, I hate the idea of us kind of restarting with quarterbacks, man. I know, since we've man. done it so many times. But, but yeah, I think if you had a guy like Fromm come in, I know um, Jacob Eason, is that his name? He's in Washington now, I think I saw Yeah, him. yeah. He he might be one. He hasn't taken a, a snap in like three years, but he's there. He could be, you know, a, a Will Greer, if you will, like a one-year wonder. Um I think next year, regardless of what happens, I think at some at some place in, in the draft you have to take a quarterback. Yeah, you got. I mean, I, I think we have to, and and there, it, there's gonna be loaded with talent on it. I mean, it's really gonna. I, there's gonna always there's always those guys that come across throughout the rest of the year too. So there's obviously two or three people we have no idea about yet. You know, they always shine and produce in their junior senior season. So who knows? But yeah, like you said, Easton's always up there. Um, been a while since he's played, but we do know what he what he's capable of. It wasn't like he just sucked at Georgia. He just Fromm took advantage of the right timing and an injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think they gave. I think Marcus has everything that he needs to succeed at this point uh, from the, what they've gotten in the draft and kind of the team they've assembled around him. Not only on offense, but he has a great defense too. So yeah, I I think we would have seen maybe a little bit different direction in the draft if they didn't think Marcus was the guy. For sure. sure. Uh, And I think the the presence of Tannehill is strictly there because of the injury-prone nature of of Marcus. And um, so, like I said, I think there's everything in place there for him to succeed. And I don't don't see much of a reason for not other than a complete – you know, case of the yips or something, just he, he loses right. it. Yeah. Just totally cracks, which I don't think he, no. I don't think he, I don't see that in him. Um, so I, I think this will be a good year for him. All right, bros. One more call. Here we go. Hey, this is JJ Nealon calling from Chattanooga. Long time listener, first time caller. Want to speak in regards to the Tennessee Vols. I'm going to start putting on my job applications that I'm a Tennessee fan because of how awful they are and the commitment and loyalty that it takes to be a Vols fan. They're always just good enough to break your heart. (laughs) I absolutely love that our first ball call, first time caller, long time listener. The joys of my heart right now. (laughs) 
JJ Neeland. I had, to re- I had to listen to that a couple different times to catch the name. Uh, but my goodness. And, and I wanted to, it sounds like it could very well be a buddy of mine spoofing the hotline, but I wanted to play that call simply because in light of our conversation about the NFL draft, not a single Tennessee volunteer was taken. I know Corte Sapp is, is, you know, unofficially through his own social media has confirmed that, you know, he's, uh, he's signed an un, undisclosed or undrafted free agency agreement with the Titans, uh, which uh-huh. they can't actually confirm until he passes a, a, a physical. Um, and I believe Kyle Phillips is with the Jets, if I, if I saw that correctly. But nobody from Knoxville, not even the Mr. Irrelevant pick, not a single guy was drafted in seven rounds from the Tennessee Vols. I've actually had some guys, you know, guy that I work with, two Georgia fans called me one day. Hey, man, I got a question for you, relevant to work. He says, did anybody from, <laughs> anybody from Tennessee go in the draft? And there was just <laughs> awkward silence and a click. But what do you guys think, man? I mean, are you hoping? Obviously, we all hope this is the last time that this takes place under Pruitt. But uh, how do you? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't tell the people you're a Vols fan in an interview. It says a lot about your intelligence as <laughs> <Yeah>. well. <laughs> um, it's not only a, a you know a, a loyalty, but it's kind of a, you kind of have, have, have to have a little bit of a screw loose in yeah. general to put put up with this for a lifetime like I, I surely intend on doing. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that there will be no balls taken in the draft anytime soon, um, given that, you know, Pruitt doesn't replace Saban or something crazy because apparently he's the um, most likely to replace him, according to something I was reading the other day. I thought that was funny. Yeah. But, um, it was pretty sad. Yeah, no, no balls in the draft. Uh, no balls or no Huskers. I saw Nebraska didn't have anybody for the first time wow. in a long time. <laughs> you... And I was like, I was like, the 90s are dead, even in Portland. <laughs> the 90s are R. dead. R.I.P. If, you know, if the Huskers and the Vols don't have draft picks, then uh, I would think that college football was over. Um, but we'll see. It's weird. Like, usually we at least have some defensive tackle or uh, offensive lineman at least, you know, that comes out and yeah. balls and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that guy's going to go, but the rest of the team was trash. We didn't even have that. Like, mm-hmm. We didn't have any guys that were yeah. remotely close. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think we all just kind of have to have this crazy screw loose up top, and uh, I keep coming back. Like, I, I, that's what we've – we all talk about it, all in our different friend groups that, I'm going to quit being a Vol fan. I'm just going to take this year off. Like, what other <laughs> fan base does that but keeps coming back? <laughs> but I keep coming back. Yeah, and I'm, I'm now writing articles on this stuff every week, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm sitting here writing about something. I want to throw this computer. Like, we're so terrible at times. And then other times we go out and we beat Auburn at, you know, on, at noon on a Saturday, and I'm like, my day's made. Right. I live and die by yep. this stuff, and I don't know why. I don't get it, <laughs> yep. and I keep coming back, and I'm not going to stop. Fall, you fall in love with your abuser in a way. Yeah. You know, it's like the Stockholm syndrome. We can change but... him. We can change him. <laughs> he just had a bad day. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess um, we've got – I mean, Tennessee is officially, if – depending on where Grant and these guys who are, are slated to go in the, in the NBA draft, obviously if we have a first-round pick or two – uh, we're officially a basketball school in my in my estimation. You guys could probably speak more to that than <laughs> we're I. We're a basketball school, baby. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's been rough. I know. Last year at the the beginning against West Virginia, 
Um, that was that was just like God, please. Oh. In that first half, man, it makes like he said, JJ Nealon said, they're just good enough to break your heart, man. Yeah, uh, it's it's a man. hard knock life, but uh, but yeah, guys, any other, get... any other thoughts? Go ahead, man. Last thing, we are becoming the worst face fan base. Not only are we as loud as all the winning fan bases, but we're terrible, and it makes us all bitter. Like, I, speaking of the Charlotte-West Virginia game, like, I went there, and I had three different people come up and ask me, be like, are you guys all this bad? Like, this is coming from West Virginia <laughs> fans. Like, they act, they're, like, one of the only yeah. schools that can drink beer at their games. They're like, are all of you guys this obnoxious? You know, it's like, man. Mm-hmm. We got to be better than that. If we're gonna suck, at least be good people. But we're not. We're the worst. <laughs> yeah, and and then entitlement and a, like a unrealisticness, yeah. like you've never witnessed before. Like you just expect to beat Alabama the first year a coach takes over. The only thing good that um, I can take away from all this is the irrational confidence I have in life is just like my Vol fandom. So it's got me. So it's hey. gotten to some places. <laughs> it's it's got us this far. Yeah. All right, fellas. Well, I, I wonder when's the when's the first time in the 2019 season for the Vols do we hear a "It feels like '98" from somebody? Oh, <laughs> give me your estimations up, right now. <laughs> when I wake up at like 8:45 that Saturday morning, I'm rocking and rolling. We're going 12 and 0. Yeah, we're gonna go to the we're going to the ship, and I'm rocking and rolling. I'm decked out. I've got orange socks on. Yeah, man. I'm putting, yeah, I give it like maybe first or second drive. I'm definitely, you know, <laughs> definitely like, uh, ooh, y'all feel that? Yeah. Yeah. my pulse rising, baby. Uh-huh. No, it's it's going to be exciting. I know the offense is up. Obviously, coaching staff has been overhauled. Uh, man, remember old Tyson Helton? The guy's bored. Wow. Yeah. But anyways, wow. what do you say, Feels like forever ago. I was like, what are we going to do without Drew Richmond? He was such a yeah, <laughs> yeah. part of our life. Man. Uh, have fun in California, maybe. I don't know. Is it, did, he, did he transfer somewhere officially? US, USC. U- USC. Oh, fight on there, bud. So, hopefully. Hope, I mean, good yeah. luck to the kid, but I mean. <laughs> good yeah. luck. Anyways, let's wrap this thing up, fellas. Great call. For everyone listening, you can find all of our, our links to Twitter, our Twitter pages, which you're welcome to follow us there. We do have an active conversation happening about Titans, Vols, Preds, Braves all the time. But, fellas, signing off, our very first hotline calls. Again, if you are listening to this and you've enjoyed this and you want to give your input, your hot takes, your question, comments, concerns about any program that we're talking about or organization we're talking about, 423-380-9096. That's 9096. You can call, leave a message, give us your name, where you're calling from. Try to keep it brief. And have a good time, fellas. Call me. Call me. You don't head back to Tennessee again. Rich man, step on high point. Hey, this is JJ Nealon calling from Chattanooga. And I just want to call and say that the Tennessee Titans will finish last in the AFC South this year and won't make the playoffs because they're terrible. This is J.J. Nealon again calling from Chattanooga. Regarding the Tennessee Titans, they should have drafted a quarterback because Marcus Mariota is injury-prone and terrible.